This week's TribCast is sponsored by Lone Star College. Lone Star College now offers bachelor's degrees in nursing, cybersecurity, and energy and manufacturing that are affordable and close to home. Find out more at lonestar.edu. And the Invest Texas Council. Texas has the opportunity to encourage private investment to strengthen our infrastructure. Invest Texas Council wants Texas to remain the premier state economy in the nation. Find out more at investtexascouncil.com. And Raise Your Hand Texas. Listen to the new Raise Your Hand Texas podcast, Intersect Ed, where the stories of education policy and practice meet. Visit raiseyourhandtexas.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for May 26th, 2021. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Texas Tribune. And this week we are joined by Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Um, politics Reporter James Badergan. Hello. And Politics Reporter Patrick Svitek. Hi there. So we uh, had a late night last night in the Texas House uh, as it was the last day to pass Senate bills out of the chamber on second reading. And, uh, you know, we, we went to bed thinking the, the session was starting to wrap up and then woke up to see a tweet from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick in which he is demanding that Governor Greg Abbott call a June special session to pass a series of his priority bills that did not make it out of the House last night. James, you watched the events in the House last night. You were with us when we had this scare as we all prepared to change our summer vacation plans. And can you talk to us, before we talk about whether there's actually a special session coming in June, tell us a little bit about what happened last night and why Dan Patrick is so upset right now. Yeah, so last night was a key legislative deadline for the House to pass all Senate bills. They have to be passed by Tuesday at midnight. Um, And so there was big drama because um, some of the Senate's priority bills, including the one that would restrict transgender student athletes to to participating in the sports based on their biological sex rather than than their gender identity. There was the quote unquote um, social media censorship one. And then there was taxpayer funded lobbying and another one that dealt with like local ordinances and employment practices. Those are four of Dan Patrick's Senate priority bills. Um, And there's always this sort of intra-chamber battle of, you know, we have your bills, uh, you've got our bills. So it's it's a real game of chicken to see, you know, if if you pass our bills, then we're going to pass yours. These ones that the House had last night were some of the most controversial ones um, that remained up till this point in the session, particularly the one regarding transgender student athletes and their participation in sports. Um, and so just to set the scene, basically the House starts the day at 10 a.m., has up until midnight to pass these bills. And it's not just those bills that are on the cal- calendar, obviously, uh, but they're they're pretty high uh, near the top of the ones to be considered on that day. Um, and so there's that's a total of 14 hours that basically if you don't like these bills and you're in the House, um, so that's mostly Democrats, 
then you can sort of slow down the proceedings through, um, you know, flattery, questioning, tactical procedures like point of order. There's a lot of funniness going on with, you know, Democrats getting on the back mic and then telling Republican authors how much they love their bills, how much they love being on their committees. And they were just concerned that the, the rest of the chamber didn't fully understand what their bills were about. And so could you explain to us what the bill is about? So, you know, it's it's obviously a tactic here to, to filibuster or to chub, as we call it here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked out for most of the beginning of the day up until about five or six o'clock. And that was just like procedural stuff. They were just basically giving final approval to the stuff they did the day before. Um, and then the real drama started around 6 p.m. when we were starting to get to these new bills that had been postponed. Um, which included these Senate priority bills. There were a few bills right before then that they had to get to, um, but they eventually started getting to them in the in the later hours of the night. Um, but I think when things started to become evident, I think of what was going to happen is when, you know, the, the social media censorship bill and then the taxpayer funded lobbying just kept repeatedly getting postponed later and later into the night. And if you're that bill's author or a supporter of that bill, that makes you really nervous, right? Because you already have a limited amount of time. There's all these other bills on the calendar. And if your bill keeps getting pushed, that just gives the opponents of your bill more time to, you know, spend and stall on other bills that are on the calendar. So I think that was the first indication that something may have been amiss for those Senate bills. And then I think what really shifted it was around 10 o'clock when they said that uh, the transgender student athlete bill uh, was getting postponed till 11.30. So that, that, that literally left the house with about 30 minutes to, to pass that bill and the other priority bills, which had already been pushed to that late in the game. Um, and so lo and behold, those did not come back except for the one on local ordinances dealing with um, employment benefits. That one did come back and actually did pass the house with a few amendments from um, some Democratic lawmakers. But, you know, three out of four on those priority bills on that that night um, is not great. And especially I think really the the most controversial one out of those is probably the transgender student athlete bills, just because it had gotten the most attention. I think it had gotten some national attention um, and because it's a national issue as well. Um, But, you know, the clock struck 12, the clock struck midnight. Those bills did not pass. Um, House Democrats celebrated and, and their supporters in the House gallery did as well. Um, they thought they had won the night. They thought they had won the day. And, and then I guess, we, like you said, we woke up this morning and, and Lieutenant Governor Patrick had, had different ideas about uh, what that outcome uh, meant and what it should mean for us here in maybe the next, maybe the next month or the next few days. Yeah, it was a, a as the clock struck midnight and the, the Democrats were, you know, celebrating and, and waving their, their trans pride flags on the house floor. It was, it felt like kind of a rare moment, this session of, of smiling Democrats, right? It's been a tough session. I mean, Ross, I was a little bit surprised to see Dan Patrick's tweet this morning. Uh, obviously not happy to see, you know, three of his priority bills fall apart at the last second like this. But overall, I mean, the Dan Patrick batting average, the conservative batting average this session has been pretty high. It's 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 a lot to ask to kind of bat 100, you know, or, or 1,000. You know, you're previewing my column for tomorrow. This is pretty funny. <laughs> well, know, there I, you go. I mean, 
I think that's right. But he did the same thing in 2017. This is a pattern. You know, in 2017, he went through a session where, you know, it was kind of known for the bathroom bill, but they got a lot of stuff done that Patrick wanted and that Abbott wanted. But they got to the end. Patrick really wanted the bathroom bill to go. Joe Strauss was the speaker at the time, got in his way in the House and blocked it. And at this point in that session, what Patrick did was sit on a sunset bill that had to pass and forced Abbott's hand. They had to come back to do that sunset bill. And Abbott said, while you're there, after you do that, we'll do bathroom bill and property taxes and a bunch of other stuff. I think they got 20 or 21 issues on the on the um, agenda before they were done. Patrick's playing the same game. And I don't know that he wants necessarily, I don't know that he necessarily wants a a uh, special session in June, but we already know that we're going to have a special session in October. The legislature's already cut one deal that had Abbott adding, um, you know, the one issue they got to do in that session is redistricting. They already cut a deal that added some budget issues to that, um, whether the legislature was going to get a say in the government in the governor's spending of something like $16 billion in federal COVID aid. So, you know, I mean, it's a chance for Patrick to use a little bit of leverage, which is the deadline that exists between now and Monday to try to get some issues on that agenda. And, you know, I would be surprised, given sort of their past behavior like this, if he's not successful with it. Patrick, I mean, some of these bills that we're talking about here, the Facebook bill, as you noted on Twitter last night, was a bill that Greg Abbott went to Tyler to promote early in the session and, and, and put his, his backing behind. Uh, he, he indicated that, you know, I don't think he's spoken specifically about SB 29, the, the transgender athletes bill, but he indi- has indi- indicated early in the session that he would, he would sign a bill like this. Has, have we gotten any indication from him about, I, I, it's still early, but where he, where he stands on this issue of, of, of what Dan Patrick's asking for? Well, we did get a statement from him just a little while ago that basically said that he's not immediately um, or suggested to us that he's not immediately on board with Dan Patrick's call for a June special session on these issues. It said that, um, you know, Abbott claimed in the statement that uh, some people are trying to, you know, end the game before the time clock runs out. I'd, time clock is an interesting yeah, it's very- <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of reminds uh, <laughs> what basketball ring. Basketball yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically the statement, uh, you know, I interpreted as Abbott, as you probably would more or less expect him to say, not immediately buying into Dan Patrick's call for a special session on these issues and saying that there's still time for legislators to work this out. Um, it seems very unlikely, of course, that in the next few days, um, there's, you know, many procedural routes for these issues to come back alive. But as we, you know, acknowledge all the time here at um, at the trip, you know, nothing is dead until uh, sine die comes. And so we'll be watching that very closely, obviously, but it's very unlikely. I think that any of these, these three issues are able to be revived in the coming days. Um, so Abbott is, you know, obviously not immediately, you know, agreeing with Dan Patrick on this. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, as you just noted, you know, of these three issues, you know, Abbott has expressed support for each of them to varying degrees. As you pointed out, I think the one that he has shown the most interest in is his social media bill. He went to Tyler in March to promote it with the bill's author there, Senator Brian Hughes. He's tweeted about it multiple times. It fits into this 
national Republican narrative of holding social media companies accountable. And it's a national narrative that by all appearances, Abbott wants to be seen as a, a part of, if not a leader on. And so that's a bill that I think Abbott really cares about. You also pointed out that when it comes to the trans student athletes bill, he he did say he would sign that. He said that during a, a you know, he told that to a national TV audience during a Vox News town hall. He's been less publicly, uh, you know, outspoken on the ban on taxpayer funded lobbying. Um, but, you know, that isn't that is one of the big unfinished pieces of, of conservative business from the, pre the previous session. And uh, I think if push comes to shove, it's something that he could um, you know, become more vocal and supportive. And so, yeah, I do think it's important to note that these aren't just Dan Patrick priorities, but that some of them are also, um, at least the social media bill is by all appearances a, an avid priority as well. Yeah, I just want to take a quick moment and remark about how amazing it is to me that this taxpayer-funded lobbying bill has has become so influential in Texas politics. You know, this, of course, is the bill in 2019 that ultimately led to the demise of the speaker at the time, Dennis Bonin, when he met with Michael Quinn Sullivan and right. listed off 10 uh, lawmakers who voted against it in 2019, uh, that that meeting, of course, was secretly recorded. And when the recording was, when, when Michael Quinn Sullivan revealed that he had made that recording, kind of instigated a scandal that led to Dennis Bonin resigning. You know, what, one thing that I, I wonder about here, Ross, is, is why does this need to happen in June? I mean, the taxpayer-funded lobbying thing doesn't seem like it would be really all that re relevant until the next session. We're talking about some of these other bills that probably, given the opposition among Democrats, wouldn't go into effect until September. I mean, will Abbott not just say, like, you know, be patient, I'll put this on the docket, but, but just wait till October? I, th I think a lot of it's drama. And I and I got to say, I feel like I'm on one of those podcasts where they talk about past episodes of Game of Thrones. It's like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that one time? Um, the deal here is is Patrick wants to create a sense of urgency and a little bit of panic. And, you know, you do that two ways. You say, I've got hostages and um, we need to have this settled right away. Um and I really think, you know, he'd probably be satisfied. I mean, we, you know, I'd love to get him an interview on this, but, you know, I think he'd probably be satisfied if Abbott just said, hey, I'll put this stuff on the October call, settle down. We have really until sometime Saturday or Sunday in legislative time before we absolutely begin to know what's really, really dead and what's really not and, and whether any of these bills can be saved. And, you know, at that point, you know, Abbott can come off of his time clock we can <laughs> we can figure out um, you know what what's really in peril here and what it's going to take from the governor to keep Dan Patrick from forcing a special session in the way that he did in 2017. The big bill that everybody's talked about is the budget. You know, if you if you were to not pass the budget, I don't think you're going to get the Senate to vote against it at this point. But if you were to not pass the budget, they have to come back and they have to come back before August because um, you got to have a budget in place on September 1st. The current timeline for redistricting is that we think we're going to have the census data we need at the end of September and probably have an October special session. Um, so a budget would force a special session before then. None of the other things, including taxpayer funded lobbying, are really on the clock. Uh, there's a couple of sunset things. Um, that are potential hostages that that would need to happen quickly. But most of this stuff, frankly, can wait till October. Uh, and, you know, there's plenty of room here for them to negotiate, but the negotiation starts with a ultimatum. 
Can I, can yeah, I just you know. weigh in? Can I weigh in, Matthew, on the sure. uh, taxpayer-funded lobbying? Because I think that, that, that this is like so so important. But it's it's like such a niche bill, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. like in the weeds, and why it's like so surprising that it's uh, had such a outsized impact on the Republican Party in Texas, right? But I think that um, so as as of right now, the number of people that I've seen call for a special session, if we're being generous, I think is. 10, right? With like Dan Patrick, plus if all nine members of the Freedom Caucus have signed on, then that's mm-hmm. 10. Um, but that is so important because those are the um, folks who politically are aligned with all three of those bills that we were just talking about, the transgender student athletes, taxpayer-funded lobbying, the ban on uh, on social media and censorship of conservatives. Um, and so to, to my other point about, to, to, to the other point that I want to bring up about the the crypticness of Abbott's Abbott's statement, he says some people are saying, you know, so those people are Dan Patrick and the Freedom Caucus, right? And so he's saying some people are saying that there's still time to pass conservative uh, legislation, and he doesn't say what conservative legislation is, although we're left to imply or assume, as a text or as the Texas Monthly put it last year during the COVID the the COVID uh, business regulations were, we're left to sort of figure the puzzle out. Um, as to what those pieces of legislation are. And I think that's sort of what the governor is walking the line on, right? Like they've gotten a lot of stuff done, a lot of conservative legislation done this session, but does he need to go even further to his right, especially ahead of a re-election year coming up? And let's see what Don Huffine says in the next couple of hours or next couple of days. And let's see what Alan West says. So I think that's why there's the need for that crypticness and um, sort of what, what that says about how he's got to play it politically. I'm just yeah. going to burn down my column tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no. You, we'll wait till, wait till it's your- out to post this uh, <laughs> podcast. Yeah. You know, I think the question we're all asking ourselves now is how far is Dan Patrick going to take this, right? And, you know, I don't think we should be surprised if he decides to take a step to, to force this because he did it in 2017. And, you know, his hands were a little bit less on it in 2019, but we got into a situation there with the sunset bill around plumbers that, that didn't come out. And, and that, that happened in the House, but uh, it seemed to have the implicit endorsement of Dan Patrick, and he seemed to be supportive of that idea. And in that case, you know, Greg Abbott... Uh, resisted and and kind of tried to find a workaround from 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 Patrick doing it. You know, I think the question of him doing this with the budget budget is that's a, a kind of a whole different bridge because he's just gone through the whole session with his, you know, leadership writing this budget and having everyone pestering him and his, you know, and Jane Nelson and the other people in the Senate about you know, getting this now they've finally got it done. Does he really want to open up that whole can of worms and have everyone showing up at his door with their hat in the hand again? I, I, you know, I, I question whether that's something that's really appealing to him. But, you know, I guess what we should be doing right now is looking to see whether there are other bills out there that could force the issue right there's now. The, there's a thing called the Sunset Safety Net Bill. And this is a bill that extends the life of any agency's uh, for which sunset legislation failed. And if you kill that bill, those agencies die. I'm not sure who's still in the box here, but that bill is still pending. You know, and I, you know, this is, you know, Dan Patrick has a hammer here and has been willing to use it in the past. I don't see any reason to think that he might not just out of, you know, the goodness of his heart. He's, you know, he's played hardball before and he plays all the way to the end of the game. 
All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the politics of this, but first let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Texas State Technical College provides Texans with the ability to learn the skills to move into a new industry. Find out more about our RISE program, Rapid Industry Skills and Employability. More at tstc.edu. And Texas Association of School Business Officials. In commemoration of its 75th anniversary, the Texas Association of School Business Officials explores the history of Texas public education in a documentary short movie. Watch it now at tasbo.org. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas awarded $1.8 million in Healthy Kids, Healthy Families grants to 28 community-based organizations. The funding will support programs addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, wellness, and social detriments of health across Texas. For more information, visit bcbstx.com. Okay, so, you know, the question, it looks like, will likely land on Greg Abbott's uh, lap as to whether or not he, you know, wants to call this special session. You know, Patrick, it's, I think, worth noting some of the things that have happened in recent days related to Greg Abbott and his, you know, prospects for re-election in 2022. I don't want to oversell this. I mean, I think most people would agree that he, at this point, as we sit right here, is the overwhelming favorite to emerge out of a Republican primary and, and, and be on the ballot in 2022. But it is true that Don Huffine, someone who used to work in Dan Patrick's Senate, has announced that he is primarying him. And uh, we also saw something that you pointed out to uh, the world, I believe, this this strange ad, right, cut by a conservative group pushing for uh, agricultural commissioner Sid Miller to run for governor. I think it's a very open question about whether there are other candidates looking to jump in. So, Dan, uh, so Greg Abbott's going to have to make this decision, right, with the idea of a, a 2022 uh, uh, primary challenge looming, uh, you know, in, in the coming months after this? How much do you think that's going to weigh on on how, how Greg Abbott approaches this? I think it's a significant factor for him politically. Um, you know, as we've covered throughout the course of this session, I mean, it seems like Abbott has been more sensitive than ever to and more responsive than ever to criticism on his right. Um, you know, whether you look at his lifting of the statewide mask mandate, his full reopening of businesses, the very clear positions he's taken on issues like permitless carry, um, you know, additional abortion restrictions, um, the trans student athlete bill, for example. Um, you know, this is a governor who, you know, covering him since, you know, he got into office in 2015, who more than ever seems pretty attuned um, to his right flank right now and pretty and. and catering to it more or less. And so that's why, you know, I look at this special session session situation and think there are pretty high odds that Abbott gives in in some way. Like, you know, we just acknowledge, we don't know if it's actually, he would actually do a June special session. But I think that, um, you know, given the political position that he's currently in and his track record on being responsive and sensitive to his right flank throughout this session, I think the chances are pretty high. Um, that we see some of these three issues uh, come back at Abbott's behest if they don't pass in the final days of the of the session here. Um, you know, it's also worth noting, too, that one of these issues, the ban on taxpayer funded lobbying is, is one of the eight legislative priorities of Texas Republican Party, whose chairman, Alan West, is a potential Abbott challenger. Um, in uh, 2022, um, and we know West throughout the session has not been afraid um, to spar with other republic with fellow Republicans and pushing for those legislative priorities. Um, I haven't heard yet from Alan West today, um, but this would be you know it would be 
pretty unsurprising if Alan West were to add his voice um, to the chorus of, you know, folks on the right pushing for a special session, given that one of those outstanding issues is a uh, RPT legislative priority. And so, uh, you know, there's a number of external forces at play here on the on Abbott's right side, I think, going into this decision about whether to revive these issues if they don't make it out of the regular session. Can I just add, there's no threat on the left right now. Yeah. There's, no, there's yeah. nothing to worry about in a general election. So there's not any of that, you know, if if you had a competitive two-party state, you know, you would have this issue that you have in all the competitive two-party states where you run to the true believers in your party during a primary, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, and then you run to the middle to try to get the centrists in the general election. And the Republicans, you know, by their actions in this legislative session are clearly not worried about the general election threat. And all of the threat and all of the preventative legislation that they're working on takes care of those loudest conservatives. To your point earlier, Ross, about we've seen this picture before, or we've seen this movie before, um, you know, in 2017, when we had that special session, um, some of these issues came back, like the bathroom bill, and then they died again. Yeah. And so if the House has slow walked these bills already in the regular session, What's going to make it any different in the special, right? I mean, the taxpayer-funded lobbying, I mean, it looks like uh, Mays Middleton, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, who, who, who had this as a high priority list for himself, uh, he didn't like the changes that uh, Chairman Chris Patty made. Um, and that was the whole reason why that, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't get a hearing. And so what changes in a special session other than we do this whole dance again and maybe Abbott adds you know, a couple of other items here and there to give him some room to say it was a successful session. I, I just, I just don't know. And then furthermore, does it maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this is something we were prepared to talk about, but does it, this is something I was thinking, I mean, does it complicate, uh, you know, speaker feeling being a speaker again in special session if the Democrats get dragged, dragged back again to again, try to defeat these bills, which they've been fighting all session. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you think that they're doing this, I'll let you play your own cynic, right? Uh, pick your own level of cynicism. If you believe that they're trying to pass this legislation because they want these things in law, then you're measuring it by whether these things pass or not. If you believe this is somewhat performative politics, where they're basically just trying to show themselves as fans of the things that these constituents want, and it doesn't really matter whether these things pass this time or not, then it's a win either way. And if you sustain the fight, then you sustain the, hey, I was in there fighting for you, even though we didn't win this time. And as a matter of political campaigning, you say, send me back and we'll keep up the fight. Or you say, hey, we got it and you should reward me by sending me back. Either way, the message is send me back. Yeah, James, to your point, I mean, the taxpayer-funded lobbying bill, if I recall correctly, failed in the House in 2019. You know, in 2019, the partisan breakdown of the house was the same as it is now. So I, I think it's a very open question as to whether that could even succeed this time around. Um, and they got and, rid, they got rid of some of those, you know, quote unquote squishes, you know, that, that yeah. weren't, that weren't on board with that. So yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah. And, and, and some of the other, um, you know, the, uh, James and Patrick, you guys wrote about this, uh, early yesterday, which feels like a month ago at this point, but um, about how, you know, there were real questions about where Phelan stands on some of these trans bills as well. And, you know, he has been outspoken in 2019 about not wanting to um, 
you know, what, what did he say? He was done bashing the LGBT community or something along those lines. And, uh, you know, he, there were a lot of people, as you guys noted, who were disappointed to see that bill on the calendar yesterday, but it was pretty far down on the calendar. And obviously we saw what happened. So I think there still remains a question as to how anxious he would be to get that through the special session uh, uh, if it were to come back up. Yeah, I think he was in a tough position. And I think this call for a special places him in an even tougher position because, you know, arguably leading into yesterday, sure, it wasn't the top bill, but it was, I mean, it was pretty high up there, you know, and and, and we reached it on the calendar. Um, and so conservatives who were in favor of that bill had, you know, had reason to think, okay, we're seriously going to consider it when it gets postponed, like it got postponed yesterday and then like with, with no considerable debate, with no considerable dis- public discussion about it, I think that gives conservatives uh, reason to say, well, is this speaker actually taking this seriously or was this just kind of a, a, a long play here to, to just skip it? So he's in a tough position um, on that conversation, both from his right, uh, unlike, unlike the governor, he actually is in a tough position, both from his right and from the Democrats, some of whom supported him based on those comments about not attacking the LGBT community. So uh, yeah, whether, whether he supports it or not, he hasn't said anything publicly. So it's hard to say, Um, but it's certainly, he certainly is boxed in on the issue. I think, I don't know, Patrick, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, I agree with that hundred percent. I think it's certainly worth noting that unlike Abbott and Patrick, he actually has, you know, a, a democratic part of his coalition that is responsible for him being empowered to tend to on these issues. Um, so I think that's certainly notable and he's, you know, in a, in a tough position on this. And if this were to come back in a special session, it would force him to take ownership of this, um, trans student athlete issue in a way that he hasn't had to do so, so far. So it'd be tough for him. I, I make the argument that he's in a, in a better position than he could be right now, you know, cause you've got the question, depending on how you feel about this as a member, he might be on my side, you know, no matter where you are, um, the danger is that everybody starts thinking, well, he might not be on my side. And 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 Patrick pushing this into a special session is going to force Phelan to put up or, you know, chirp or get off the perch, as Gib Lewis used to say. Yeah, it's harder to play that deadlines game in a special session where there's fewer bills and, and, and that whole process, you know, is a little bit, the speed of things is a little bit different. And, and just well, on the, go ahead. I was just going to say one, one more thing about sort of, you know, Ross got me thinking when he says, well, everybody thinks he's, he's on your side, but then it's just, it starts saying like, well, maybe he's not, not on my side. And so that, that makes you think a little bit more, but it's not just a, you know, it's Republicans versus Democrat, but there's a lot of these like moderate Republicans, you know, those, those squishes, as I call them, um, those ones who survived and are still there and don't necessarily want to be voting on transgender student athletes because it's not an issue for them or it's not a very popular issue to be voting for in their district. I'm just kind of thinking about the, you know, the Dallas, the Dallas Republicans like Angie Chan Button, Morgan Meyer, a lot of the rural Republicans um, who really don't, I, I feel, think that this is an issue that even really affects them. And a couple of the other ones too, like taxpayer funded lobbying. I know that's a, that's a complicated issue for both of those groups as well, rural Republicans and urban, urban Republicans, um, well, like the, the, the large county uh, D's like, like Meyer and Button. Yeah, I think, you know, taking a step back here uh, and, and talking about the various pressures, I mean, to me, and we've talked about this a little bit before on po- past podcasts, but to me, the story of this session right now 
compared to the 2019 session is the the election that folks are looking forward to right we we you know 2019 was the year in which the house might flip and you know democrats might compete in texas and everything like that and as we've discussed before it was the the um school finance session and the the property taxes session and you know the for lack of a better term what we all called the bread and butter session this time around as as has been mentioned the opposition party looking a lot weaker but not even that i mean we're looking at a possibly a delayed primary here and, uh, you know, the people with the political memories here look back at the last time we had a delayed primary when David Dewhurst was a shoe in to become the next uh, senator out of Texas. And, and people look at that delay as possibly a reason why Ted Cruz was able to, you know, rise to the top and, and not unseat him, but I guess upset him is, is the term. And so, you know, I look at all these things, you know, if we're talking about a fall special session that's even closer to the election. These are all things that I think are really weighing on the minds of people like Greg Abbott and, you know, even Phelan and even various members of, uh, you know, the, the House and Senate who who might be worried about a primary challenge coming up. I was just going to add earlier, I think uh, when it comes to the Phelan-Patrick relationship, I'm still not convinced there's not some lingering resentment by Patrick that Phelan sprung permitless carry on him this session. And even though Patrick, even though Patrick got it done to his, his credit in, in pretty in pretty swift timing, um, you know, it obviously took a, you know, pretty massive whip effort on Patrick's part. He had to endure some pressure and criticism from his right throughout the process, which he's been openly sensitive that was to. even possible. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and then that was like, you know, and so I kind of look at, you know, the... Uh, you know, the tension, the current tension between the House and Senate as initiated by Patrick as maybe um, being influenced by that as well. I, I think, again, Patrick, you know, has had never seemed to be someone personally, you know, on board with their enthusiastic about permitless carry. Um, but feeling by passing that bill out of the House really, I think, put Patrick in a tough spot. And again, to his credit, he got it done. Um, you know, and, and they can celebrate now or they're about to be able to celebrate. Um, but I find it hard to believe there's not so little lingering resentment there that that made by Patrick, that that made his life kind of unexpectedly difficult toward the end of the session. I think to your point about the delayed primaries, I think that is interesting. And maybe that's something that, you know, these guys who are considering like Sid Miller or, you know, maybe Alan West, I know is another one that's been thrown around or even Don Huffines, who's already in there. They're thinking about it and they're saying, well, this, this could make the difference. And, and, you know, for any, for any candidates uh, out there, you know, if, if, if you want another Ted Cruz, just the, the copy from the Texas Tribune Mad Men <laughs> advertising department right there, I think is a, is a pitch there. If you want another Ted Cruz, it'll, it'll play one way or the other. People will really like it or they really won't. Well, it's going to be a uh, fascinating week and we will, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. We'll talk about it next week as uh, the session is wrapped up and and I guess we'll we'll be starting to wonder whether we'll be taking those trips to Colorado or wherever else we want to go uh, this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed for all our vacations. Uh, thank you to Patrick, James, and Ross. Thank you to our sponsors, Lone Star College, Invest Texas Council, Raise Your Hand Texas, Texas State Technical College, the Texas Association of School Business Officers, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas. We'll be back next week. You